So we're working on this series here, and this is, this is kind of why all this is in me, because I believe that I believe we can have victory in the midst of a hostile culture. I believe that. Okay, Genesis chapter 6, we know the story well, but I just want to put this reading in your hearing, put it in your spirit. It's good to come to church and read your Bible. It's really good to read your Bible anytime, but we should really read it in church. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> this ain't no TED talk. <laughs> Genesis chapter 6, verse number 5. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent, notice the language, that every intent of the thoughts of his heart, of the man's heart, was only evil continually. In other words, that man didn't think about nothing else but evil. And the Lord was sorry. That's a sad verse. The Lord was sorry that he'd made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I will blot out the man whom I've created from the face of the land, from, from man to animals to creeping things and to the birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. Verse number 8. But Noah found some favor in the eyes of the Lord. Hallelujah. Boy, that, you could just preach on that verse by itself. In the midst of God being sorry that he made man, there was Noah. And these are the records of the generations of Noah, that Noah was a righteous man, a blameless man in his time. Same word for generation. Noah was blameless in his generation, and Noah walked with God. And Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. It's the same word for lawlessness. The same thing we're seeing in our day. And God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Then God said to Noah, The end of the flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence, and because of them, behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms, and you shall cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. One translation says, this is how you build it. You build its length of the ark, 300 cubits, uh, its, its, its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. In other words, it's 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and, and uh, 45 feet high. That's how you're going to build it. Verse number 17, behold, I am bringing the flood, upon the, upon, uh, flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh, which is the breath of life from under heaven, everything that is on the earth shall perish. Verse number 18, about to get to where we're going. And I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. Verse number 22, jump down to verse number 22. Thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him. So he did. Chapter 7, verse number 1, Then the Lord said to Noah, Enter the ark, you and your household. Just look at somebody and say, I'm going to get my family on board. Just tell them, I'm going to get my family on board. What good is heaven without your family? I'm going to get my family on board. I'm, I'm going to get my family on board. I don't want to just go to heaven without my family. I'm going to fight every hell 
scheme and strategy. I'm going to fight to get my family on board. And he entered the ark, you and your household, for you alone I have seen. Man, this is so powerful to me. He said, for you alone, out of the whole earth, out of the whole earth, which is nothing but evil, God found somebody who, who he saw to be righteous. He was righteous. He said, he said, he said I have seen, I've seen you. I've seen you to be righteous before me in this time. Same word for generation. In the midst of the most ugliest, vile planet that anybody could ever live on, God said, I found somebody righteous. I found somebody that could stick it out and get their family on board. Mm. Okay, all right, here, I'm going to preach in a minute. Let's go to Hebrews. I just want to put this in your hearing. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 7. Just just one, one verse. And by faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence, he prepared or he built an ark, notice the language, for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Notice that Noah built something. You're building something whether you realize it or not. You're building your life. You're building your dream. You're building, your, you're building the things that God's put inside of you. You're building a model. You're building a role model. You're building something. And whatever you build, the people closest to you will get into that. So I hope it's something good. So we've been talking about, we've been talking about how we've been, I've just labeled it being faithful in a failing culture. That's what we've been talking about. But I had this, this, this subtitle last week, and I just want to use it again. I call it Risk Takers. Risk Takers. Come on, run to about three people and tell them I'm a risk taker. Come on, will you just do that? Just tell them I'm a risk taker in here today. I am a risk taker. I'm a risk taker. I'm a risk taker. And then I'm going to pray for you, and you can be seated. Lord, we thank you this morning. Thank you today for what you're going to do in this place. Thank you for those that have gathered, those that are listening by way of radio, those that are listening are watching on Facebook, social media platforms. Lord, we thank you today for what you're going to do in their heart, what you're going to do in their life. And Lord, we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor up front. Lord, we thank you today. Holy Spirit, you're the communicator. Thank you today for what you're going to do in people's hearing today. And Lord, we just declare today, we declare today that we will be what you called us to be in this generation. And we give you all the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. Let me just try to get started here so I can get to where I feel like I need to, to at least camp out and get to. We find in this particular text, in this particular time period that we, that we started actually last week, we find in our text where Noah, he's living in what has become a very dark and difficult place. He's living in some dark days, and he's living in some very tough times. As we just read it in our text, the entire earth had become full of sin. The entire earth was full of evil and corruption to the point that God was sorry that he had made man because man had turned his heart against God and was running in the opposite direction. 
the culture of Noah's day at that particular time in history as we know it, the culture of his day had become so vile and so godless and so evil to the point that God was not only sorry that he made man, but he put an expiration date to the earth and to mankind. We didn't read it, but it's in verse number 3 there, and it, and it says, and the Lord said to Noah that my spirit will not always strive with man, and his days will be numbered down to 120 years, and so will it be with the earth, because God put an expiration date because the evil was so rampant and so widespread. The Bible says, we read it, that the heart and the imagination of mankind was so wicked that no good could be found anywhere. I don't know how bad it has to get to when you can't find no good anywhere. I mean, that, that has to be, I mean, when you have the Lord, the Bible says, whose eyes go to and fro, his eyes are all over at the same time all the time. And God is looking over the earth. He's looking over everything that he's, always, that he's created. And he can't find no good in the earth anywhere. That's a pretty bad place to be. There's no good anywhere to be found in the earth, which means that every aspect of man's nature had been corrupted by evil, every aspect, everything about man. The Bible says man's thoughts were continually on evil. There was no order and there was widespread corruption. There was widespread wickedness, which became the ruin of human society as we know it in that particular time. I wrote these things down because I, I felt this when I was reading some of this because if your conscience is gone and the fear of God is gone, then men become beasts and they become devils to one another and you end up fighting and devouring each other. When you're no longer God conscious or there's no longer godliness in the environment of your life, I'm convinced today what keeps the world moving without it being judged, it's because God has a people in it. There, there is, there, we, how many know that the church is the conscience of society? And if, if society may not come to church, but they can see you. They, they can see you on the job. They can see you in Walmart. And how many know you got to have the anointing to go in Walmart? You got to have, you, you got you to have a purpose and a mission. You got to have assignment. You got to be prayed up. <laughs> I mean, you just, but people see you. People, people can see you on the job. Your family can see you. They can see you in church worshiping God with one hand, but they can see you worshiping the devil with the other hand at home. But when there's no consciousness of God, when there's the removal of God, when there's no more thought put to the things of God, now you have a vile place. Now you have a place that's full of, Wickedness and men are, are, are devouring one another. In the days of Noah, the, the people had become so uh, comprehensively corrupt that evil was being manufactured at the highest level and there was no stopping it to the point that, that God was no longer going to shield. God was no longer going to hide his judgment. His judgment was coming to the earth. His judgment was about to be pronounced and, and, and demonstrated in the earth, because I put it this way, and I think I said it to you last week, when, when wickedness becomes generalized, 
then ruin is not far off. When, 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 when wickedness becomes so normal, when, when, when there is no thought that there's good and evil, and we, and we put good in the same category as evil, or we put evil in the same category as good, when there's no more dividing line. Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 5, says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. It, there, there's, 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 in other words, there has to be a distinction in God's people that doesn't look like the world that they've been called out of. That there ought to be something in your life that demonstrates the life of God on some level. I'm not saying we're perfect. I'm not saying that we don't mess up and we don't blow it from time to time. But there ought to be enough God in you that when somebody sees you, they don't put you in the same category as evil. And, and what's going on if we could just melt it down in our nation because, you know, you, know, you got people that say, well, don't make the pulpit, uh, 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 make it, don't put politics in the pulpit, which is such a stupid argument because, because God has been involved in every sphere of life. And, and so what's going on, they, they do that because they want to silence the truth of God's word because the more they can silence the truth of God's word, the more rampant evil becomes because now you don't have the dividing line. Now you don't know what is right and you don't know what is wrong because the people we put in office, we, be, we tend to believe whoever has higher authority. And just because you have a position don't mean you're right. Just because you make more money don't mean you that don't mean you're smarter. Okay, I want to be nice, but there's an urgency in my spirit. Okay, and and so 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 we're living in this hour where it's and we're living in a generation. No, we lived in a generation, and and I know we're not the same, but but it's a generation. We're living in a generation that's confused. We're we're living in a generation where people don't know how to respond. They don't know how to act. I mean, we're living in a day where there's no more common sense. I mean, it just doesn't exist. We're we're living in a day where men want to be women. Women want to be men. I feel like I'm losing my amen, so let me move on. When we started out shouting, I feel like, oh, Lord, it just stuck, stuck a nerve right there. So the days have become so wicked because evil became generalized. I'm going to preach this thing in a minute, so y'all just hang out with me. I got like 45 minutes left. Get you to the restaurant before the Baptists get out. That'd be all right. But in the midst, here, here, here's the, this is where I want to turn it. In the midst of widespread evil, in the midst of full-blown corruption, because it was no longer hidden, in the midst of full-blown lawlessness, Noah found favor. In the midst of all the craziness that could be going on in his day, the Bible says Noah found favor. One translation, same word for grace. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, I put this on the screen. That word found, Noah found, that word found is the word masah, which literally means to acquire, 
to meet or to detect or to discover. It literally means to encounter. So in the midst of the evilness, Noah encountered God. You want to know how you survive in a failing culture? You have some God moments. You have some God encounters. You meet the living God. And you don't just meet him on a Sunday and walk away from him on Monday. You live and dwell in him. We live and move and have our being. It's not a part-time thing. I'm not a part-time believer. I'm not a part-time Christian. I am full-blown 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I don't turn it off and turn it on. This is who I am. This is what I do. This is who I love. I'm full-time. Push on somebody and tell them I'm full-time. I'm full-time. I'm full-time. I, I, don't, I don't quit serving God when I need a date. Y'all missed that. I'll say it again. I don't quit serving God when I need a date. I don't drop my principles and my morals when somebody wants to go to bed with me. One drink ain't going to matter. Yeah, it will. It's the beginning of your downfall. I feel it. Feel it. There was a day you could preach like this in those old churches, and people would literally walk around the room and shouting and dancing. You preach it in today's generation, they think you're throwing out heresy. No, it's called the Bible. It's called the Bible. And the problem is, we have watered down the truth of God's word. Now we got a confused generation who think that they are right, and just because you think it don't mean it's what it is. And now we're living in this day now where corruption has increased, evilness has increased, and lawlessness has increased. But the Bible says in the midst of that, Noah was a prototype. Noah was a forerunner. Noah let us know you can be in the midst of the most vile generation that ever existed and you can still encounter God. Woo, you can still find God. I don't find God just on Sunday mornings. I don't find God when everything's going good. I've learned how to find him in the valley. That's what God told the Israelites. He says, you just know me as the God of the mountain, but I'm also the God of the valley. I'm also there in your struggle. I'm there in your pain. I'm there in your disappointment. I'm there in your fall failures. Still God. I'm still God. And I'm God all by myself. I don't need a prop. I don't need nobody to give me accolades. I am still God. And I am an ever-present help in times of trouble. That's what the Bible says. So here you are, Noah. Noah found favor. Noah found grace. Noah met God. Noah, Noah discovered God man that just gives me hope I, you know I, I walked in the sanctuary this morning some of these lights were all messed up I don't know what's going on they were just we couldn't get them up and going the guys in the back were working trying to get it going and I walked in here and I thought man it's dark over there it's dark and it's like I, I take everything almost like a sign I know it's not that but sometimes my mind just works in like no we don't have no darkness in the house you know, and I don't mean like, like you know, I know it's stupid. It's, a cra- it's probably a stupid illustration. But, but in, my, in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't care how bad or how dark it gets, there's still light in the midst of it. So what that does for me, because I live in the same generation you do. I live in the same world you do. 
I got some of the same friends y'all do. <laughs> and some on y'all know need Jesus. But what that does is that challenges me to be more upright and not more compliant. It challenges me, even as, as living in a nation that I love. It challenges me because even in a nation that I love who has adamantly turned their back on God. And I'm talking about even some of our leaders in high places who have openly turned their back on God. And, and it, but it challenges me. I don't care what the world is doing. I can still find God in the midst of the evil. Still find him. So here you have Noah. I'm going to preach in a minute, so just hang out. I'm about to get there. So here Noah is. He discovered, he encountered God. What we need in our 21st century churches, really in our nation, is God moments, God encounters. That's why I, it just, I, I, don't, I don't get it. And I, it's, I, it's, it's been my journey now in churches. It's like when you come to church, I don't know why people don't worship when you come to church. It's like, what else did you come for? It's like when you, everybody stand up and read the Bible. Say, oh, my God, I got to stand and read the Bible. Like, what else did you come for? Uh, you, mean, uh, you, mean, you mean we got to stand and sing for 30? Why did you even come? Because if you're not careful, you come with this spiritual religious attitude where you punch in your spiritual cloth, where you look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. And you got to be careful that you don't keep living your life like that because it becomes addicted behavior. Because without God, you are drawn to evil. Without the moving of the Holy Spirit, we have the propensity to sin. <laughs> so so, so I, I get in praise and worship service, and I'm like, why is it so dead? Why ain't nobody lifting up their voice? Why ain't nobody singing? And then you get up to the preacher. Why ain't nobody clapping their hands? Why ain't nobody saying amen? It's like, why else did you come? Well, i tell you what we need in America. We need an old-fashioned Holy Ghost move of God that puts you on your back, and you're not able to get up until the sun goes down. We need, once again, the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's beyond a TED Talk. That's beyond a blog that's beyond a post that's beyond facebook twitter and all the other things Whew. i'm gonna preach in a minute just hang out with me i'm gonna get there i feel it i tell you i feel this thing why are you doing this in the middle of summer because that's when i want to do it that's when i feel it i only preach to what i feel if i don't feel it i don't preach it that's the way god works with me i'm not saying that's everybody that's how god works with me so when we come in here because I feel what's at stake, it's not, it, it takes the devil all kind of crazy ways to get me distracted and pull me out of my relationship with God. I'm not saying I can't fail, I'm not saying I can't blow it, I'm not saying any of that. But, but as the devil knows that I'm on my way to heaven. Okay, got three amens, the rest of y'all I'm worried about. I'm really worried about the rest of y'all. But what the devil can do is distract me enough to make everything else a priority outside of him. And when he's no longer the priority of my life, then something is off. When God is no longer the focus of my life, somebody says, well, my wife or my children or my husband is my focus. That's secondary. There ain't nobody above my kids. You're out of order. 
Because what your kids need, they don't need just another good parent. They need a parent that's full of God. I'm preaching way better than y'all working with me right now. And so, so, so as, 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 as generational leaders, all of us are adults, generational leaders, we have a spiritual responsibility to make sure those that are closest to us can see God on the inside of us. Because at the end of the day, who wants to go to heaven without their family? I don't want to be that person. I want to make sure that my family at least has the opportunity to say, that crazy old papa right there, that joker, he was a jack leg in a lot of places. But you know what? He loved God. He pursued God. He was a bad hammer I mean, he went after God with everything he got. I may not get a lot of stuff right. I may not be a good granddaddy. I may not be a good husband. I may not be a good father. And I'm working on all those things. But at the end of the day, they're going to have to at least point at me and say, that man loved God. That that man loved God with all of his heart, and he never got sidetracked from his relationship with the Lord. So here we got Noah. The Bible says he found grace. He didn't stumble on it. He didn't wander into it. He found it because he was pursuing it. You only get out of God what you invest in. What you invest in, you receive from. That's a universal principle. That's it's, it's really it's what the, the laws of sowing and reaping is all about. Somebody want to reap, but they don't want to sow nothing. It don't work that way. You can pray until the cows come home. It ain't going to work for you. God ain't going to bless your nothing. But he will, and even if you don't get it right, I still believe God will spot you one every now and then. I believe he's just that good of God. He'll say, you know what, they ain't, they ain't getting it all right, but at least they're moving. <laughs> I know they don't sound good when they sing, but at least they're opening up their mouth. I know they don't feel like clapping, but thank, uh, at, least, at least they're toe-thumping or something. I feel it feel it because we have been seduced into a religious mindset and attitude. I'm not just saying this about this church. I'm talking about the spirit that's of our day. We get so seduced into a, 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 a lethargic spiritual attitude that we think we can do it without God. I don't need to praise him. I got this thing. Are you kidding me? Tell that to the person who's about to lose somebody. Their prayer life changes a little bit. Tell that to the person who's got cancer. Their prayer life changes a little bit. Tell that to somebody who's going through something. Your prayer life changes. Listen, you couldn't, you, couldn't, you couldn't pray or praise him when everything was going good, but that was just an indication of where your heart was. Praise the Lord. Test it. Mic check. Is it on? We didn't read all these scriptures, but we did in Hebrews. The Bible says, and Noah was a man of faith. By faith, Noah built. By faith, Noah prepared. By faith, Noah put together something that brought his, his family on board, and it saved them. Noah was a man of faith. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse number 5 says, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Hmm. Imagine that. Standing in the midst of the most vile, God-hating generation that has ever existed, Noah is standing up there preaching righteousness. You know what righteousness is? It means to be in the right standing with God. 
Here Noah is. You don't think he stood out? You don't think he was made a spectacle of? But here he is in the midst of everything that's gone crazy. Sometimes you just need to walk up into your family reunion with all the chaos and just be righteous. Just be righteous. Sometimes you may have to go on your job and just be righteous. Oh, let me break it down. Sometimes you may have to be righteous in front of your kids. Maybe be righteous with your husband or your wife. Mm, praise the Lord. Melting again. We're melting again. <laughs> Noah was exceptional. Not because, and, and, and scholars will tell you that Noah had to be a brilliant guy. Because he didn't have a Home Depot. He didn't have power saws. And whatever tool he had, he had to design. So he built this 450-foot long bass boat. 75 feet wide, 45 feet tall. And scholars will tell you he was brilliant to construct such a monumental-looking piece of design architect that came out of heaven. He built it not with power tools, but with his hands. Because when God puts a promise over your life, nothing is impossible. When God puts a dream in your heart, nothing is impossible. And, and here's, here's what I gather from that. Noah didn't need the assistance of men, although he probably used them. But he had to tell them what God had told him. This is how we're going to do it. Because I'm not going to build it according to your dimensions. I'm not going to build it the way you want me to build it. I'm going to build it by God's design. And what we need in our churches today, we need families who are building their life by God's design. And even though the world don't like it, and even though the world may make fun of it, I'm building something for the generation around me to get on board. I remember when we started all this, all this everything you see on this property, this didn't come just because we had money. And it still ain't coming because we got money. Now, if God moves on you to drop a million, two million dollar check, I'll praise the Lord with you. But we built this, we, not, not because we had an idea, but because God had a design for our hearts. And he says, I'm going to gather a bunch of, uh, I'm going I'm to get the dirty dozen together. I'm, gonna get, I'm just going to get a remnant of people out of a little town called Clouston on the southwest corner of Lake Okeechobee, and I'm just going to breathe inside their spirit, and I'm going to put a vision inside of them, and then I'm going to let them start building what I put in them so that they can touch the generations not only then, but the generations to come and the generations in our future. 
Somebody, somebody, I was just talking to somebody the other day. They said, we're not talking about the new building over here, new building. They said, what y'all going to do with this building? Tear it down. I said, are you kidding me? We're going to need every building we got. We need every single building. What y'all going to do? Y'all going to move it out? Y'all going to no. We need every building because we believe the masses are coming. We believe the multitudes are coming. And we're not going to sell ourselves short because we're going to get some people on board. Said, how did that happen? It, it, it didn't come just because we just had a good idea. It became it came because people came in here in all night prayer meetings. People got at this altar and they knelt their knee before an almighty God and they say, God, let it be so. If you can use anything, Lord, use me. Got it through a remnant of people who just had enough guts to believe God. Boy, what we need in our world today is people who can believe God. And just say, God, I'm gonna do whatever you ask me to do. I may, not ha- I, may not, I may not know how to do it. I may not ha- know how to get it done, but I'm going to figure it out along the way. Noah built it. Noah was exceptional not because he had skills. What made him exceptional was that he walked with God. Can that be our testimony in this generation? Can it be said of us? They didn't always get it right, but boy, they loved God. They had such a passion and pursuit for God that was second to none. I don't need them to play the right song for me to worship. In fact, my worship started at 4 o'clock this morning. You said, oh, that's because you're the preacher and that's on Sunday morning. No, that starts every day of the week. Seven days, my wife is back there. She'll tell you, it happens every day of the week. My worship begins at at 4 o'clock in the morning. And it usually ends on my downtime going to sleep because I'm still praying. I'm still worshiping. Sometimes I lean over to Karen and I say, put some praise music on. What's wrong? You, you don't know? I say, no, I'm just, I'm just battling in my spirit. Ah. But we live to such a disconnected generation that we give God two hours of the day on Sunday. We get mad at the preacher if he's like 11, 12.05. I know, I get it, but I'm all right. You don't bother me. Trust me, I've been doing it long. I've been doing it long. It don't bother me. It don't because I, I can be. I, I love to make fun. Y'all know me. I, I, I'm a jokester. I'll scare people. I love to play tricks. I'm all that. So you can joke on me. I love it. I, I just just hang out. I get back. I, I don't mind. But what bothers me is the inconsistency of your attitude. It's like you don't say that at a ball game. You don't say that at a movie theater. You don't say that on the boat. You don't say that in the woods. You don't say that at the mall. Y'all ain't helping me now. I'm saying, we're, we're melting again. We're melting. I feel it. Noah walked with God in a culture that had totally rejected everything about God. The Bible says, we read it, that Noah was righteous, Noah was blameless, and Noah walked with God. The understanding of that is in our day, it's possible to be surrounded by everything that's going on in our world today that can be so godless, so evil and vile. You can be in a culture that's full of sin and darkness, but you can still be righteous. Please, y'all make me nervous when you don't say amens on them really good points. I mean, I get it if sometimes I may shoot higher or whatever and you don't, you don't catch it, but that's a good point right there. We can still be righteous. We can still be blameless. 
and we can still walk with God. None of that has to do with perfection. It's the attitude of our hearts. So for 120 years, here he is. He's building a boat. And for 120 years while he's building the boat, you know he's preaching. Can you imagine preaching for 120 years and didn't get nobody on board but his family? Boy, you're talking about feeling like a letdown. Like, I mean, I mean it's almost in the same category as Jesus. Jesus fed the 5,000, not counting women and children. Most scholars say between 15 and 20,000 people at that one time, in that one setting that he fed. But he could only convince out of 15, 20,000 people, he could only convince 120 to get to the upper room. So the odds are never in your favor. But God is. So I'm not looking for the favor of the world. I appreciate it if it's there. But I'm going to find his favor. I'm going to find his grace in the midst of the struggle. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, we're risk takers now. I'm about to turn the corner right here. We're risk takers. So Noah's preaching for 120 years while he's building out. He might have been preaching before then. We don't know all that and all those details. Are not given. We do know this. We do know this. I, I did this research for you. This is, this, these are fun facts. <laughs> okay, you ready? Noah's grandfather was Methuselah. That was his grandfather. You know, Methuselah lived to be 969 years old. Noah's great-grandfather was Enoch. You remember Enoch? The Bible says about Enoch, Enoch was and he was not for God took him. In other words, Enoch never died. Can you imagine? That's my great granddaddy. Can you imagine the stories that were handed down from Enoch? Woo, know if you hang tight with God. Know if you just keep pressing. Because Enoch lived in that same generation. The, in fact, from, from, from Adam to Noah, it was eight generations. And scholars will tell you that those generations were alive at the same time Adam was. So those stories are being told. I know the world is bad. I know it's getting worse. But Enoch can be telling his grandchildren, hey, hang on, man. Just walk with God. Just keep, keep, keep your integrity. Keep being blameless. Keep being righteous. Just keep walking with God. Don't worry about what the world is doing. Don't worry about what the club is doing. Don't worry about what Hollywood is doing. Don't worry about what Washington is doing. Just keep walking with God because God will vindicate the righteous. That's what God, God don't vindicate your idea. God don't vindicate your movement. But God will vindicate the righteous. So here he is walking, living. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Stop living by your excuses. Stop living by your excuses on why you can't be godly in a hostile culture. Man, I I really want to say that to every teenager. teenager. In fact, I said part of that... uh, couple weeks ago at a teenager camp meeting, a revival, whatever it was, total abandonment. I'll get it out in a minute. Just work with me. Everybody makes up these excuses. Well, this happened to me, or this was like this, or, or if I was married to somebody better. Really? You married them. <laughs> it's called taking your medicine. <laughs> They weren't like that when I married them. Don't matter. You should have had enough discernment to see it coming. The 
the two most important things in your life, the two most important decisions of your life, number one, your, your acceptance of Jesus Christ in your heart, number two, who you marry. Everything else is easy. Okay, we're melting again. I won't move because I'm running out of my own amens. So here, Noah's, Noah's, Noah's faithful, and he's not living by his excuses, and I guarantee you he had a lot. Oh, my God, look at this world. Yeah, look at it. You're there to make a difference. Oh, God, look at my company. Oh, God, look at my job. Oh, God, look at my family. That's right. Look at it. Look at it and be the answer. Look at it and do something with it. Look at my marriage. We'll fix it. Look at my kids. We'll fix it. Quit putting the blame on everybody else. Well, if this was better, I'd be better. No, it's never going to get better out there. It's never going to get right out there. But you make it right in here, and God pushes it out, and it makes it right around you. So for the past 50 years, I'm about to get on my preach right here, boy. I feel this thing coming. For the past 50 years, or or, or 50 years, it could be a little long, maybe 75. For the past 50 years or so, most of Christianity has done its best to fit into the American culture because we have lacked the power to influence it. So rather than being the power broker in a culture, we just get along with the culture. I want to tell you, I said it to you multiple times. Jesus was not crucified because he was liked. Jesus was not crucified because he was safety. Jesus was not crucified because he was well-loved. He was crucified because people hated him. He was crucified because he was the son of God, the man of truth. He was the embodiment of the, the Holy Ghost, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. He was God in the flesh. And people could not get along with Jesus, so they said, we'll just get rid of him, which was the worst mistake the devil ever made because all it did was send him a little further to the purposes of God. In fact, your Bible says the devil said if he had had known what he was doing, he would have never crucified the Lord of glory because now there's not one Jesus to deal with. There are multiplied billions. And baby, we're everywhere. I'm telling you, we are everywhere. We're going to be like leaven. We're just going to affect everything we get a part of. So we, we, tried, to, we tried to reduce the gospel. Now we've got woke Christians, woke pastors, woke ministries. Don't want to offend nobody. You know what? I think, I think I told Karen, I'm not sure if it was Karen, we were talking one day, I, I, I told somebody, I just don't remember, I said, I'm tired of making it easy for church folks. What I want to build is like, and we're going to put a, we're fixing to put a fence around the property, I want to build a fit, like an eight foot tall fence with Constantine wires, dare you to come to church. Dare you to come to church. Find a way to get in. Fight to get in here. I mean, I really do. I just want to, I want to make, I want, I, it, like I said, well, it's because we're always strategy, strategizing, how can we fit this service, make this service better? Like, 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 no, let's just, let's don't have a 6.30 prayer meeting one day a week. Let's have a midnight prayer meeting five days a week. Let's just see who's really hungry. Total silence. <laughs> Total silence. Well, I just, I can't do all that. No, no, no. You can do what you want to do. 
And you can be what you want to be, but are you willing to pay the price to get to what we want? We, we want God to move, but we don't want to invest in the encounter to get God to move. I don't know. I'm not saying I'm going to do that, but, you know, that's that bad side of me. Just make, I want to make it hard. Make it hard. Lock the doors and make them bang on it for 20 minutes. We want in. Okay, 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 we'll let you in. Won't be like that widow with the unjust judge who just kept knocking on his door. And the judge said, you know what? If I don't get up, she's going to wear me out. She's going to wear me out. If I don't get up and give her what she wants, she's just going to wear me out. And I'm just trying to tell you, that could be a picture for the modern-day church in America. When was the last time we just going to wear God out to get what was legally ours? Living in a hostile, jacked-up culture. This will be on the screen for you. We have to be careful that we don't try and fit into what we've been called to deliver. Don't try to fit into what you've been called to deliver. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. I like to say it this way. Noah found grace or favor. In the face of God. He found favor in the face of God. I don't want God to have to look for me. I want to be in his face. Because when you live in the face of God, you live differently than everybody else. Am I worried about the economy? I'm concerned because I think we got jacked up governments that don't know how to make right decisions. Am I worried about the 9.1 deficit that we have? Sure, I'm I'm all about it. But I'm not distracted by it. Do I wish gas prices would come back? You better believe it, because I drive a tanker out there. It just sucks gas like we do Kool-Aid. I mean, you don't even taste it before it gets into your belly. You don't suck the whole pitcher dry. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Y'all weren't young enough. Somebody put a meme on social media the other day, and it showed a picture of a water hose with water coming out. I said, this is how we grew up. I said, amen to that. <laughs> My mama didn't believe in buying us Cokes. She said, y'all thirsty? Get out there. There's a water spigot out there. We used to call it a spigot. There's a water spigot out there. Drink from the water spigot. You'll be all right. Mama, that thing, you'll be all right. Mama, there's frogs coming out of it when we turn on. You'll be all right. Build up your immune system. <laughs> I saw a meme the other day. One guy said, one guy said he's going he's gonna to sue smart water because he didn't get any smarter. One guy said, I'm going to go ahead and sue Thin Mints because look at me. (laughs) We're living in a culture. We're living in a day. Just like Noah. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in your day. Before the coming, the return of the Lord. So we went over all that last Sunday. I'm not going to take time to, we, we talked about what? The days of Noah were like versus what Jesus was talking about in the last days. 
the parallel is, is, you can match it up. It's an incredible parallel of what's going on. But here's what I want to work to for the next just couple minutes because we've got to go. If your core values, this will be on the screen, if your core values are relevant with the culture, then you are irrelevant with God. See, if your immediate thinking always mirrors the culture, then you're irrelevant with God. Because God don't think like the culture. God's not moved by the culture. But if your core values are relevant with the culture, that's why all this stuff, everybody's trying to make it politicized, and it's not. It's, it's, it's not a politician thing. It's not... Democrat versus Republican, it's evil versus good. At the end of the day, it's evil versus good. I mean, we were talking about it last night with Gatlin and Crystal. When Disney, you know, our beloved Disney, when they can come out and just say, this is what we're going to do, and you're going to like it. No, we're not. No, we're not going to like it. No, that's not acceptable. You, you have the right to do it because we live in a capitalistic society, but I don't have a right to give you, I don't have to give you money for it. But yet, we'll feed it to our kids. Because you know what? We need a break. So we, we need a break, so we're going to feed it to our kids and let, let Disney mind mold their minds. Let Disney shape their minds that everything that we think is against God, we say it's okay. So when our core values are different, it's because, and we don't say nothing, it's because we, want, we don't want to be labeled religious or an extremist. So we just become passive. And that's the worst thing that you can do, is become passive. You have to understand, I'm just me talking to Noah. You have to understand, Noah, God talking to Noah. You have to understand, Noah, the culture is shifting all around you. Everything is extreme, and you don't have time to be passive. Everything is at stake. We have all this extreme stuff. We got extreme makeovers, right? We got extreme sports, extreme fashion, extreme politics, <laughs> extreme diets. Like, I went 90 days and didn't eat nothing. Well, we, we can tell. <laughs> You're like an earthworm with a gut slung out of it. I think Vanessa said it a year, uh, a year ago. He said, if you're fasting and you're still gossiping, just start eating. <laughs> so we got all this extreme stuff. Everything around us ex is extreme. But we come to church and we want to be passive. Mm. Mm. While the world is becoming more and more extreme, the enemy's just making the church becoming more and more passive. Don't be this aggressive people because that's not nice. I'm not saying you be ugly, but I am saying you be intention, intentional about truth. You don't have to be mean to nobody because God don't like ugly. But you can still be full of grace and full of truth at the same time. 
And you can preach truth with love. You can demonstrate truth with love. You can live out truth with love. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to be nasty. You don't have to blow up an abortion clinic. In the name of God. Really? Really? So we, we got this thing going on. Y'all, y'all doing all right? I got like eight minutes left. We can't keep building our churches. Watch me now, just because I'm going back to what I said in the very beginning. We can't keep building our churches around making people happy. And we just can't keep building our churches where we reduce everything down to life skills. Pep talks. While our worship has come, become nothing more than cheap entertainment. I don't know how you feel about this. I don't know how you read into this. I don't know how you look at your culture. But, you know, I got kids. I got grandkids. And hopefully I'll live long enough to see my great-grandkids. That's if we can get Roman married. <laughs> Roman might be a priest by himself. We have to make sure that with all this that's going on around us, that's under all this demonic assault, there has to be in every generation risk takers. People who rise up in the middle of their generation that says, I refuse to let go of everything God has put in me for the sake of convenience. I refuse to back, and I told, Karen and I were talking the other day, we, we were always talking about things like that. I refuse to put my foot on the gas over 30-something years, almost 40 years ago now. I refuse to put my foot on the gas and press down just to back off now because it's tough. If anything, I want to smash it a little harder. If anything, I want to turn my hat around backwards and say to every demonic force, every spirit, every demon, I want to say to you, I'm coming, I'm coming, and I'm coming for everything you're trying to lock up. That's the way I do it. That's the way I see it. And what we need in our American churches, let me tell you, let me just, what your family needs, what this, this region needs, what this county needs, what this city needs, it don't need another lukewarm, passive, punch in your spiritual clock just to get out of the way. It needs somebody who is strong in their faith, strong in their stand, strong in their commitment, and they're not moved by the craziness out there. It's what we need. And I'm telling you, if Noah could do it in his day, we got a shot. I'm telling you, we got a shot. We got to play. We got to play. We got we, we an opportunity here to make something happen. Let me close with this right here because I, I got way more to say. But y'all, y'all, y'all ain't got enough time in the day. This will be on the screen. Noah built something he knew nothing about to survive what he'd never seen. Noah built something he knew nothing about to survive what he'd never seen. He didn't know nothing about building a boat. He wasn't a boat builder. 
He didn't have Bass Tracker plans. Johnny Morris from Bass Pro didn't call and say, hey, I need you to build this for me. He built something he knew nothing about to survive something he'd never seen because it never rained on earth up until that point. So when God started talking to him about rain, God had to educate him. Rain? What's rain? So you mean I got to build something I've never built to survive something I've never seen? That's exactly right, Noah. You got it. Go do it. Huh? Y'all way too smart. Y'all way too spiritual for me. I'm sure y'all just, y'all just ran out to the shed. Here we go. We're going to build an ark. I don't know about you, but I've been questioning some stuff. Boat, miles away from the nearest body of water. Okay, first of all, it's going to be 450 long. How are we going to get it to the water? Don't worry about it. I'm going to bring the water to you. Oh, Lord, I just said something right there. There's purpose. And there's reason, reasoning in your life. There's legacy in your life. There's inheritance in your life. And it's waiting on you to do something about it. People say it's hard. Sure it is. That's why you need God. If you can do it without God, don't call it faith. Because God will never give you a lifestyle where he is not necessary. Stop exaggerating your problems to justify your fears. Well, I got all this going on. Who don't? I'm just busy. Who ain't? Who ain't? Now, we can look around. We can find a lot of people that ain't busy. And I don't feel sorry for them. And I don't feel sorry for them. We can look around. There's a lot of people that ain't busy, and I don't feel sorry for them. So, like, listen, there's enough around here. You can, look, I don't care if you got sweet sweep at McDonald's. Start somewhere. Don't just sit there and blame society on why you can't get a job. Well, maybe if you weren't so lazy. Okay, y'all not going to say that. Let me, let me move on. I put this out the other day because it just hit me in the core of my being. Breakthrough begins in your life. Breakthrough begins in your life. The moment you're no longer impressed by the size of your situation. I won't be like Caleb of old, 85 years old. That's my mountain. Give me my mountain, 85 years old, and he's storming up the biggest mountain, the most territory occupied mountain of their enemies of their day. And he said, I'm about to take my mountain. Woo. Look at somebody tell him, I'm a risk taker. There's dreams, there's inheritance, there's, there's, there's legacy. That's on the inside of you. When God told Israel, he says, listen, I'm going to give you a promised land. I'm giving it to you. I'm going to give it to you. All you got to do is receive it. I'm going to give it to you. What you do have to do is you got to get in there and fight for it. And in 39 campaigns, Israel went through 39 battles to drive out the inhabitants of the land. The Bible says little by little they drove them out. God says, I'm going to give it to you, but you're going to have to get in there and occupy it. 
I'm going to give it to you, but you're going to have to get in there and engage your enemy. We're quoting all these scriptures and quoting all these promises, but we don't want to engage the enemy. And the enemy is occupying the very thing that you have, that you want. That's your desire. So if you don't want to do the work, then you don't get the spoils. You don't want to pray. You don't want to read. You don't want to fast. You don't want to worship. No, you don't. God, 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 ain't, God ain't crazy. Because if he gave it to you, you lose it. How bad does that make him look? <laughs> Had Landon with me the other day. He's, 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 he's 12. He said, Papa, when can I drive? I said, not today. <laughs> not today. He said, Papa, I think I can drive your truck. I said, yeah, it's coming, but not today. Because you can't handle the responsibility that takes me to get behind the wheel. It's not that you don't have the ability to do it one day. It's just not today. <laughs> How bad would I look? Say, yeah, yeah, come on, man. Just, let's go to the woods. You drive me down there. How bad would that be? <laughs> we want God just to give us something without engaging in the warfare. Because what we don't realize, the warfare teaches us character. The warfare teaches us integrity. The warfare teaches us perseverance. The warfare teaches us how to hold on to something once we occupy it. Because I didn't get here by myself. I had to fight with God. I had to believe God. I had to overcome the enemies and the obstacles. I had to walk with a limp because God wrestled with me all night long. Now I'm walking with a limp because I knew I couldn't beat God, but I got defeated in God. Woo. That's where we have to be. Those are the risk takers that God's looking for in American churches today. That's what this city needs. This city needs some firebrand believers who understand. I'm going to put it all on the line. I'm going to throw it all out there. It's like, remember y'all, remember y'all used to play poker? Remember that? Remember y'all, y'all just flat all the chips in. Some of y'all say, I ain't saying nothing. I'm going to look right. I ain't saying I ain't never played a day. I don't know either. I don't know how to play it. Here, the last, last point. Hudson Taylor. He said, unless there, is an, this will be on screen, unless there is an element of risk in the Christian life, there will never be any need for faith. Until you're willing to lay it all on the line. Well, what if I fail? Well, what if you succeed? Change your vocabulary. What if it don't work out? Well, what if it does? Well, I prayed and I tried. and it, just, just stay at it. Come on, Israel. You got to stay in the fight. I refuse. I feel like I'm hollering. Does that sound like I'm hollering out there to y'all? I feel like I'm hollering. I'm like, <gasps> See, when you live in a culture that doesn't reinforce our values, then you have to be a risk taker. Well, what if they don't like me? Oh, here's, here's the big one. Here's the big one. What if I make the devil upset? He's already mad. You act like because you do something righteous, you're going to make the devil mad. The devil's already mad. He was mad the moment he lost his position in heaven. The moment God said, huh, uh, 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 there's no sameness here. There's no unity here. There's no agreement here. You got to go. Kicked him out of heaven. He hit the earth mad. Well, I just don't, I don't want, no, I don't want the devil after me. He's already after you. So enjoy the journey. Whew. 
These are the last things, and I, I'm, I'm quitting. Pastor Porter, you better come on. So if I hear the music, it, it's a sign. History is made by people who has an understanding of things to come. People in your family, come on, Noah, are waiting for you to rise. People on your job are waiting for you to rise. I'm not going to preach these, but you can preach them to yourself. Write these down or they'll be on the screen. Take a picture. These are the questions that every risk taker needs to be asking that can alter their next season of your life. These are the questions. These are the questions. Guys, help me in the back. Number one, who will you have to be that you've never been? Who will you have to be that you've never been? If you're going to be a risk taker, who will you have to be that you've never been? Number two, what will you need to do that you have never done? If you're going to be a risk taker, what will you have to do that you've never done? Number three, who will God need to be in your life that he's never been before? Hmm. And here's the fourth one, just as equally as powerful. Who is your next level of company that you need to surround yourself with that carries the right information and environment to stimulate your growth? You've got to ask yourself these questions. Because if you're going to be a risk taker, you just can't hang out with anybody. Can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> you can't. You can't do it. I, I'm telling you, these things. You got you, you got to, you got to, you're building something. You're building your life. And what you build has the potential to save everybody around you. I'm just as an, I'm just natural as everybody in here, and, and, and I want nice things, and I want to see nice places. I, I want it all. I do. But I'm not building my life for things. The most important thing that I can leave to my children is not a car, not a house, not a business, not a ministry, but a spiritual deposit that forever shapes the core values of their life. You're building something, Noah. You're building something. The stakes are high, Noah. The stakes are really high. Because I'm coming. I'm coming, Noah. I'm coming. And I'm going to judge everything in my path. And I'm coming. But what you build will be a safety net. What you build will be a place of breakthrough for other people. But rest assured, come on, America. God's coming. Jesus is coming. He's coming. But what you Build today makes all the difference in the world on what it looks like tomorrow. And I don't know about you, and I enjoy life. I mean, people that are close to me know I love to laugh. Man, I love to laugh. I, I'm, I'm fun. I do, I think, well, I'm, I'm fun to myself. <laughs> Most people think I'm too serious. I'm fun to myself. I mean, Karen knows that. Like, like, 
But at the end of the day, I'm not, I, I don't, I don't want to be sidetracked. At the end of the day, I don't, I don't want to get derailed. Because what I'm building can get people on board. What about you? What are you building? You're building a better business, building more money, building more followers on Facebook, Instagram. Well, praise the Lord. What does that mean? I got a thousand likes. Well, who cares? Look at my dessert I ate. I don't care. Look what we're about. I don't care. I really don't care. I don't care if you eat apples or bananas or filet mignon. I don't care. I don't care. I really don't. I really don't. But I do care about what you're building that has eternal stakes at, at play. That's what I care about. I care, I care about you. I care about your family. I care about your children. I can't tell you how many times Karen and I are just talk and we go down the list of everybody in church that we can pull up to our memory. Did you see them today? Did you see them? Did you talk to this person? You talk to them? We're just like, God, I ain't seen, seen them in two weeks. And all of a sudden, man, there's this check. There's the, oh, my Lord. You got to be building something. You're, you're building something irregardless. Come on, stand to your feet today. Boy, I feel this. I just feel this. I just feel this. I'm trying to end, but I just feel this. Come on, just lift your hands. I'll just, I'll quit right there. Just lift your hands. Come on, just say, God, give me the strength. Lord, if Noah could find some grace in a hostile culture, I believe I can find it in my day. If Noah could overcome the criticisms of his day, I can overcome it in my day. If Noah could walk with God in his day, I can walk with God in my day. Come on, just lift your hands. Will you just take about 30 seconds and magnify? Come on, I know we're going to just end low here, but I just feel, I feel a spirit of worship. I just feel like God is wooing us. I feel like he's drawing us. I feel like he's, he's saying, I'm here. Noah found him. Noah found him. Noah found. Noah found favor. Noah found him. Noah had an encounter. Noah had him.